podcast we have eric fair coming up and to the side of me again he needs no introduction we got chewy chewy how are you doing today doing very good and looking forward to this podcast we've got lots to talk about lots going on in the hockey world finally and uh it's going to be a good podcast did you watch hockey this weekend or did you spend the entire time uh, suntanning in your backyard? Well, I might have suntanned in my backyard, but I was able to watch them hockey at the same time. But uh, I watched as many games as I could. The ones I couldn't watch, I've taped. And uh, I tell you, there's nothing better than sitting in August watching NHL playoff hockey. I agree. Maybe give me your standout game so far of the opening rounds. You know, I think for me, I think it was how Chicago totally caught Edmonton off guard. You know, like Edmonton, you know, all their big guns that they have and all the excitement around them. And, you know, the playing in Edmonton, everybody thinks they're going to, you know, have that extra jump. And Chicago just went in and played hockey. And, you know, the players at the Chicago, they played like a team. And it's really starting to see where a coach they just put in uh, was able to go in and have a training camp with them and able to implement a system that was able to stop all those big guns at Edmonton. Yeah, I watched that game too, Chew. I really liked how, you know, Chicago came out and relied on their veterans. You know, you got Taves, you got Kane, you got Keith. These guys have been it. Uh, they've been in it so many times. They just look kind of second nature to them. And again, I thought all the pressure, well, I still think all the pressure is on Edmonton because they have to, they got to learn to win first. For sure. I think that they're, you know, a young team that's got a lot of, you know, McDavid, he's got the hockey world that everybody's watching him and him not doing anything in a game where it was something, you know, fabulous. He scored some nice goals in that game. But for, you know, I think everybody thought that was going to be an easy 3-0 series for the for Oilers and it's not going to be that way at all. Well, I thought it was funny listening to some of the after talk shows and stuff and people are, well, you know, they're a little bit all over McDavid and I'm going, imagine having a three-point game in the NHL. And still everyone just kind of piling it on. So I thought that was uh, interesting. I did watch the Jets game. Where did you watch the Jets game? And and tell me your thoughts on that game. Well, I'm glad you're going to ask this question because, you know, I was at Joey's on Keniston and then I was in Transcona and everybody stopped me and was wondering about, have I seen the setup of this guy from the rink on how he watched the game? And uh, when I found out who it was, like it was yourself. So I'm quite excited for to find out your setup of watching a Jets game. Well, last podcast I talked about not understanding that I needed a lighter TV to bring in and out of the house. I invited my mother over and she helped me uh, lug a 200-pound TV up the stairs. Wow. She's super strong. Uh, she works out every day. Shout out to my mom. But yeah, my setup was next level. So I have a gazebo. It was in the gazebo. And some people are like, oh, I've heard that before, you know, TV in the gazebo, no big whoop. I put blankets around three of the sides. It's like a fort. No sun. No sun coming in there. Unbelievable. That could be like the round the rank turning point. Oh, it, let me tell you, the friends that came over were kind of, this is pretty crazy. We've never seen anybody put you know, blankets around to block the sun. And then if you wanted to get some rays while you're watching the game, you know, you stood on the outside of the gazebo. If you wanted to stay in the cool confines, I'm telling you next week, we're bringing in an AC. We are, we're going to do it. And I'm thinking about putting lights up. Maybe you'll get the invite and come check out a game at 963. I might have to sit, uh, sneak in the back door. 
Yeah. What did you think about the atmosphere around the rink? I thought, you know, I'll, I'll tell you straight up. I was expecting it to be kind of dull. I thought that the players were, you know, I thought the intensity might be lacking. If anything, I thought it played out completely opposite. I thought the intensity was there. Some of the scrums after the whistle were there. We saw a fight in the Jets game. I thought it was as close to playoff hockey as you can get. Yeah, you know, 100%. They'll give those guys credit, you know, being off for so long and having to get to the level that they're not used to playing an 82-game schedule, taking a week off and getting into the playoffs. And, you know, they're playing for keeps. You know, they're chasing the Stanley Cup, and you can see that they're playing for real. Did you uh, see McDavid's uh, hat trick last night? I did very, yeah, over and over again. I watched it many times. Yeah, so, again, some people are like, breaking down the goals and you know did he use an inside knee drive yeah of course he did did he go backhand bar down at the fastest speed we've ever seen yeah he did but what stands out for me did you see the woman throwing the hats out on the ice that was amazing i was like they've thought of everything so here's my question for tonight's game because what's up we're live again week of no big deal are they gonna yell true north in O canada today I bet a loony that they will have that taped and they're going to yell it. Okay, you heard it here first. I'll bet against it just because we need to have that. That's how gambling works, everybody. Uh, so Chewy is betting a dollar. Let's go Toonie. Okay, that let's sounds go. Better. Let's go large coffee. Okay. Okay, that's even better. Starbucks? Ooh, no, no. I just got a new truck. We can't go to Starbucks anymore. I'm actually making my coffee from home, so you might be getting a uh, – Maybe well, it's actually a Starbucks instant oh, instant coffee Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. What do they call those? A Keurig. Keurig. Thank you, Tay. A yeah. Keurig. I got a new Keurig uh, coffee machine this Isn't weekend. Really, like mature with that new car Keurig. New car Keurig nice setup. Keurig. I bought a pressure washer. I wow. I actually made toast this morning. Put peanut butter on chunky peanut butter. Wrapped it in tin foil. Wow. And brought it. Didn't stop anywhere. I'm right now. Today, it is 3.41 p.m. I haven't spent a dollar yet. Wow. Are you, so, are you taking vitamins yet? No, not oh, yet. Okay. Not until the doctor yeah. tells me. Okay. Jared, you better anyway, get getting, getting back to the NHL games, one quick question. Did you see what the attendance was in every game? I didn't. They put it up on the scoreboard that it was zero. Zero. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, those are the little things that are making it, you know, extra kind of fun for the way that they're having fun with having nobody in the stands. I think they're getting better at uh, whoever's running the crowd noise. They should give this guy full <laughs> reins. Be even a little bit crazier with it. I say go. Did you catch any of the NBA? No, I didn't watch it. Oh, well, if you guys, anybody listening to this podcast, chew yourself as well. Check out an NBA game. They got half of the side is screens with people. Really? And it is cool. So what they're having now, the fans of the NBA, they're switching fans every game. So people are doing silly things in the background. I saw yesterday a guy had a guitar. He's playing the guitar with his tongue, with his tongue chew, right? So people are doing crazy things. They're getting involved with it and having fun with it as well. So I'm super excited. If the Jets, uh, what do you think? Jets win in this series? Yeah, I think the Jets will win in... Uh, four games now. Okay. You know, I think they're going to turn things around. I think diversity, you know, having the two big guns out and, you know, kind of coming together as a team. I think this will be something that we'll be able to talk about was a turning point for them in, in, in the series. So last question before we get uh, to the interview with Eric Fair, the Chuck incident. Okay. I'm watching that play. 
stick to my stomach. I never like seeing anybody. It doesn't matter if they're a Winnipeg Jet or even a Calgary Flame for that matter. I don't like seeing guys roll around on the ice in pain. Had an eerily similar feel to me as Dale Howarchuk and Jamie McCowan in 1987, not to show how old I am. What did you think of the play? Dirty, not dirty? Well, I think it's a play that happens a lot in hockey where there's a forward back checking. And, you know, I think he realized that he was able to, you know, finish his check on a key member of the Winnipeg Jets. And I think it was something that he wanted to do, meant to do. And he's the type of player that I'm sure that, uh, you know, in their pre-scout meetings or their preparation for meetings or certain guys in the Jets, they were told to finish every chance they had to check on him. And I think that he meant to finish it. And I think he uh, meant to lift up his leg. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I'll go on. Yeah, is he a family member? Yeah, he is. And did, I get, did my phone blow up? Yeah, I did. But here's my take on the incident. I think he meant to do it to, like, finish the hit. I mean, you got to know when Kachuk's out on the ice. If you don't, then that's kind of on you. He likes to run around a little bit. I think he's trying to get a piece of Shifley. I don't think he was trying to lift his foot personally. I, I just think it's so much is going on. It's so fast. It's easy sometimes when we, when we see it in replay, super slow-mo. Uh, sometimes you go, okay, well, that was intent, right? But I think the game is so fast that you like to think, I mean, a couple of years ago, Matt Cook on Carlson, it was, it was kind of a similar play. And I know there were some people coming out that said Matt Cook tried to do it. I'd like to think that the guys, once you're in the NHL and you're a professional, that you wouldn't do those things, but you know, these guys do have track records that doesn't help their case. Right. So yeah, I'll be a little bit of bias because he's family. I like to think that he didn't do it on purpose, but he definitely tried to get a piece of Shifley on purpose, hundred percent. Right. And I'm just hoping that uh, we have no more injuries going on through this qualifying round because getting pretty slim out there. <laughs> Well, this, you know, the one good thing about it on a, on a good side is that some of these young guys, the Jets, you've seen what the future is about. You know, like Hartkins comes in, scores a big goal, you know, in the depth that they've got. So that's a big bonus for the, for the team. Well, that 2015 draft class, it's just, it amazes me every single time. Like, I was sitting with some friends and they, they didn't know. And I, I tell anybody who doesn't know, go look up the 2015 draft class because the Jets killed it. Like, I think we have three guys from that draft class playing and then a couple of guys like Sammy and Yuku are up with the club uh, that aren't in the lineup yet. But that just goes to show how good of a, a job Shovel Day Off's doing. Anyways, shoot, let's get to the interview. We got a great, uh, great person on today, Eric Fair. You spent some time with Eric in the old days, and uh, we had some fun with him in this interview. For sure, brought back some memories and some stories. But uh, he's a good, solid, uh, you know, individual, and his career speaks for itself. So, looking forward Turning to it. Right back in is Fair. He scores. Today's guest is Calder Cup champion, NHL champion, and most recently Spangler Cup champion. Uh, please welcome to the podcast, the pride of Winkler, Manitoba, Eric Fair. How's it going, Eric? Doing well. How are you doing? We're doing good over here. Chu, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Excited to uh, talk to this young uh, hockey player. I know that uh, all his coaches in the past have taught him everything he knows, so I'm looking forward to giving him a little chat and see what he can we can find out. Well, that's awesome. So let's get right to it, Eric. Uh, you spent your uh, junior career in the Wheat City with playing with the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your time in Brandon? I, I had a really good time in Brandon. Um, we had some really good teams. 
Uh, obviously, I wished we would have uh, been able to win it all. We had teams that had a chance every year, and unfortunately, we were never able to to win the championship there. But had a lot of fun, made a lot of uh, lasting memories, and uh, a lot of friends that I still keep in contact with. So uh, very happy with uh, my four years in Brandon. So what was it like? Um, I know that uh, Chewy was the assistant coach on one of those uh, seasons. What was that like playing under Chewy? Uh, it was good having Chewy around, a guy that uh, you could give a little flack to on the ice and have a little fun with. Definitely an easygoing coach for me, somebody that I could talk to. Um, you know, you always find uh, a coach that you can kind of have their ear, and uh, Chewy did a great job with that. He was great with the players, uh, you know, and he could uh, teach us a few things along the way. Eric, uh, I can't remember the last time I called you by your first name, Eric. Anyway, Ferzi, um if, is there one memorable moment, one uh, story that sticks out still, or maybe one game or one bus trip or one series that sticks out for you in your WHL career? I guess uh, the year we went to the finals and we lost to Kelowna, that's, that's one that I, I still think about a lot. Um, I think we had a flight home coming from Kelowna and we were in a lot of trouble from Krimmer and he just said we all have to sit in our seats, drink water and fall asleep. I just remember, I remember that uh, was obviously my last year, my junior career. Uh, that's, that's one that still haunts me, uh, that series and, and something that I think about uh, quite regularly. Uh, being from Winkler and then playing in Brandon, did you feel any added pressure playing in front of friends and family for the four years that you were there? Uh, not really. I thought it was great. Uh, my parents were able to come to almost every game uh, in my junior hockey career, which was about a two-hour drive and obviously a big commitment from them. But, um, you know, I felt uh, a little bit more at ease knowing that they were there and, and they were supporting me every game. And, um, you know, I enjoy having friends and family at games. I don't find that as an added pressure for me. I, I find that exciting. Ferzi, when you were growing up, I'm sure you heard of the Weekings a lot, being from Winkler and, and knowing that the WHL was as close as it was. But what was the kind of the turning point that made you make the decision to make the jump at a young age to the Western Hockey League? Well, for me, obviously getting drafted to Brandon helped. I knew I wouldn't be too far from home. I think that was a major thing for me. And then the other part of it was not knowing where I would play when I was 16 and 17, waiting for uh, an opportunity to play college. There's kind of those gap years where, where I felt I would have been uh, you know, losing a chance to develop. And I, I really liked the, the Western Hockey League. I, you know, especially back then, it was, it was probably the best league in the world for developing players to get into the NHL. So you know, for me, that was a no-brainer. So, Ferzi, you started off in Washington getting drafted in 2003 in the first round, 18th overall. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience? It was, it was awesome. Obviously, that's everyone's dream to, to get drafted and play in the NHL. And for me, I, I kind of joked with, with my friends and family. You know, you picture yourself going on stage getting drafted and you picture all the Canadian teams and maybe a few of the popular American teams. But at the time I got drafted to Washington, nobody knew who the Washington Capitals were. You know, this is uh, pre-Alex Ovechkin and a team that was really struggling. So you don't exactly picture yourself going up on stage uh, with the Capitals as a Canadian, but, you know, it was a great organization. Uh, I had a lot of great years there and, and very blessed to have spent a lot of time in D.C. So you said, uh, you know, when you first got there, there was uh, no Alexander Ovechkin. What was it like when the franchise drafted him and, and you got to play along the likes of Carlson's and Basham's? Uh, did you pick their brains at all? And uh, did you get anything from playing with them? Well, just watching them every day, you, you learn a lot. Um, you know, it was kind of, we didn't have those older veteran players around. Uh, you know, I played with Olaf Kolzig for a bit, but, but he was the goalie. You don't really talk to those guys. 
So we're kind of all coming up together with Baxter, Ovechkin, Carlson, Green, you know, all these young guys. We're just having fun and probably didn't know any better than, uh, than what we were doing. We, we were just playing hockey and enjoying the game. And I think that was the best part of uh, you know, the first six or seven years in Washington is that we just enjoyed coming to the rink every day and just playing hockey. We didn't really think of it as a business. What was the first example, the first time you kind of said to yourself that, uh, hey, I made it to the NHL? Was it the plane trips? Was it the uh, meals, the pregame meals? Or what was that first instinct or first experience that you experienced that you knew you were in NHL? The exhibition games when you're taking the, the chartered flight is, is always cool. You go to the special airport and, um, you know, take your own jet. That was that was one of the big ones. But uh, for me, the real welcome to the NHL moment was uh, one of my exhibition games in Pittsburgh. Um, I got to play against Sidney Crosby and Maury Lemieux in the same game. Um, Maury Lemieux was obviously a guy I grew up watching and idolizing and a player I tried to emulate my game around. So to see him on the ice, uh, you know, to play against him, that was uh, a real big moment for me. Uh, what were your nerves like looking across the ice seeing Mario? Uh, I don't even really know. I don't even know if I cared about playing that game. I was just <laughs> watching him the whole time and just, just in awe. And it was it was a very weird feeling because there weren't a lot of players that I played against where I'd be in awe and he was definitely one of them. So after Washington, you moved over uh, to Pittsburgh talking about Mario, you know, back in the 80s, it was Mario Gretzky. Do you ever look back at your career and go, oh, that's pretty cool. I got to play with Ovechkin and Crosby. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it's definitely something uh, I'll remember forever. To have that opportunity to play with two of the best players in the world, two of the best players to ever play the game at their prime, you know, that's pretty special. And um, you know, being on both sides of that heated rivalry is, was, was definitely interesting. It's definitely special for me. I, you know, you kind of take those things for granted and you just show up to the rink and you see them there and say, hi, Ovi, how sit? I said, like, it's nothing, but you look back at it and, you know, it's, it's pretty special to have spent that much time with those two players. Playing with both those guys, obviously they're different leaders on and off the ice, but do those guys do anything, any similarities between the two? Similarities would probably be the work ethic. And I know people probably think Ovi doesn't really work hard, but, you know, he's always working on his craft and, and especially that slap shot, the one-timer. You know, he's, he's constantly working on his game. And, and when he's in a slump, you, you can see him dig a little bit deeper. And the same with Sid. Sid was the first guy on the ice, the last guy off the ice, just about every practice. And, you know, you can definitely see some similarities with them uh, in that regard. They're, they're competitive. They want to win. And they'll do whatever it takes to win. In 2016, you won the uh, Stanley Cup with Pittsburgh. Uh, what was that experience like? And maybe just walk us through your day with the Cup. Uh, it, was, it was awesome, you know, having the opportunity to win the Stanley Cup. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to get another chance after a um, couple injuries I had in my season in Winnipeg. You know, it looked like I was on my way out of the league. And to be able to come back and to be able to be a big part of a, a team that was able to win the Stanley Cup, it was pretty special. And uh, that was why I wanted to play the game of hockey. It was to win the Stanley Cup. It wasn't necessarily to play in the NHL. I just wanted to win the Stanley Cup. So to be able to say that I've done that, uh, you know, that's pretty sweet. And as far as the, the day with the cup went for me, uh, I had it back in Winnipeg for a bit. I brought it to uh, Hockey Ministries Hockey School and uh, brought it home to Winnipeg, show some of my friends and family, and then uh, brought it back to Winkler and took pictures with City of Winkler. A lot of the, the people came to the, the mall, uh, brought it to the rink where I grew up playing, and then ended up on my family farm where uh, I had a big party of... Uh, I'll say maybe 200 people out there. And I, I believe Chewy was out there for a little bit. So 
it was it was really special to kind of spend time with with friends and family and everybody who helped me along the way you know just to kind of celebrate it together yeah i was quite honored to get that invitation uh Sergi, so thank you for that and you know just thinking about the stanley cup and there's always stories about the cup and all that is there any story that you can uh you know share with us about that you know whether it be the the time when you won the stanley cup or the parade uh through pittsburgh or something like that something that you can incite the listeners to about first uh, the first day we got back from san jose we had a big party at memorial amuse house and i guess there's a rule that the, the cup can't go in the swimming pool and i guess the last time the penguins won the stanley cup it ended up in the swimming pool so uh, Morio snuck off with the cup and gave it to Sid, and they they kept that tradition alive. And I'm sure they wouldn't be happy with me sharing that one. But uh, <laughs> you know, the cup got into the pool, and and Morio went into the pool with all his clothes on, and we were uh, smoking stogies in there. It was a pretty cool moment uh, you know, to be swimming with the Stanley Cup in Morio Lewis Pool. That's that's pretty sweet. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty awesome. <laughs> Let's uh, just talk about your last season playing in uh, Genevieve Servette, if I pronounce that uh, properly. Was that pronounced properly? Uh, you could go with Geneva, or if you're French, you could go with Genève. I believe it would be the two pronunciations of that one. Okay, so how did, how did I say it? I'm glad you pronounced it, because okay. I would have <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Geneva. Let's go Geneva, because I've heard of the convention. Um, yeah. Okay, so last year you played in Geneva. In the Swiss A League, what was that like, and how did your season go until the uh, stoppage happened? You know, it was a, a real unique experience for me. It was kind of my first time. I played in Switzerland, or I played in Finland for one season, and uh, during the lockout. But this was obviously my first time out of the NHL, where I was going to spend the whole season with uh, with the team. And um, it's a different style of game in Switzerland. It took a little while for me to adjust to it. Um, obviously, on the big ice and. Uh, you have to make some adjustments, but uh, all in all, it's it's a great league. Uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, you know, in Geneva, and I felt like as the season went on, I got a lot better. And, and by the end of the season, our team was was playing really well and and primed for a nice playoff run. Uh, when unfortunately the season got stopped, so all in all, it was a great season for me. You you touched on a little bit about the changes that you had to make as a player. If you want to expand on that a little bit for us, like what were some of the biggest difference between the game compared to playing in the NHL compared to playing over in Europe? Uh, well, for me, going from a big-time defensive player to a guy that's expected to score and get a lot of puck touches and play on the power play, you know, that was something I hadn't done since junior. So uh, to be able to make that adjustment took a little bit of time, but it, it was a lot of fun. You know, scoring is a lot of fun. So. You know, that was a big part of it. And then in the defensive zone for me, just kind of realizing you can't chase everybody down. You can't track everybody down. You know, there's a lot of ice and there's a lot of uh, ways for them to escape and cut back. And you just got to be a little bit more patient, I think, uh, is what I learned throughout the year. Uh, anything that they do differently out there in skill development uh, ways, like, you know, different from North America? One of the biggest things for me, and it took me quite a while to get used to, was a lot less stopping and starting, you know, a lot more turning and keeping your speed. Coaches in North America would kill you if you started turning all over the place. I think Chewy uh, was the first guy to, to take a run at me for that one. So, you know, it's ingrained in your brain that you need to stop and start. And uh, you get over there and it's a lot of turning and pivoting and, you know, even turning your back from the puck, which is something I was taught to, to never to do. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different things, but it's all about speed and, and keeping your speed going. So, um, you know, that was a big adjustment for me. What was it like winning the Spangler Cup last year with uh, your whole family in attendance? Yeah, that was really cool for me. It was my first opportunity to represent Team Canada 
you know, I've, I always wanted to play in the Spangler Cup. I was a little bit disappointed uh, when I was playing in Finland that they weren't really taking any of the NHL players that wanted to play in it back then. But you know, to get an opportunity to, to play for Team Canada, have my, my whole family down there and, and kind of enjoy a, a week or two with them, you know, watching hockey and, and just being able to spend a lot of time with them out in a, in a foreign country. It was a lot of fun. And then obviously to be able to win, um, you know, that was one I definitely wanted to cross off the list. And, and we had a good tournament and, and I was able to do that. What was it like, though, uh, you saying that it was your first, uh, you know, first time with, uh, you know, Hockey Canada playing for your country. What was it like to, uh, you know, put that jersey on and, and, you know, play in front of your family and also play with a lot of pl- players you played with over your career in, in the NHL? It was, it was great. Uh, obviously, to get an opportunity to play with the guys that you're playing against in the league all the time. And, you know, there's only so many Canadians in the league, so it's nice when you all get together and I feel like the game is a lot more simple when uh, all the Canadians play together. You know, we we kind of been taught the same way throughout our career, and you know, the chemistry was was a lot easier to build with those players. And it was a fun tournament. You know, to something as small as being able to hang out with a bunch of people that speak the same language as you. It uh, you know, all around, it's uh, it's just a great event. So in the last couple of years, Eric, come to the facility and you worked with Johnny Kara in some skill development sessions. Uh, what are some things that you've worked on personally? And what are some things that have helped you maybe through the last couple of years uh, working with him? Uh, there was a couple of things that I, I wanted to work on uh, when I came to the rink. For me, I was pretty much a self-taught player. Uh, didn't do any hockey camps growing up. Uh, never had a skills coach or, or anything. So a lot of the stuff uh, going on at the rink was new to me. So um, I guess Johnny's job was to teach an old dog some new tricks. And uh, we worked on a few things uh, skating-wise that, that I could take into the game and um, just really small things, nothing uh, to really change my game, but just to improve it a little bit. And, um, you know, Johnny did a great job with that. Is there any stories uh, about John Kara that we can, uh, you know, maybe keep in our back pocket that if there's ever a day that we can get, we need to get back to Johnny that you can fill us in on? I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad story, but my first and only bench clearing brawl was against the Lethbridge Hurricanes, which uh, involved uh, Johnny Kara. So uh, I don't think I got a hold of him out there, but uh, I guess he can count as lucky stars. Uh, we uh, haven't been a part of too many bench brawls, so we both talked about that one a, a, a fair bit. It's uh, definitely an interesting time uh, to be in the Western League, uh, you know, back in, in the early 2000s. Eric, you lent us your, what would it be called, a dummy? A shooting dummy? Yeah, the hockey dummy there. Hockey dummy. Okay, so I don't know if you know this, but uh, your dummy has become quite a social media icon. Been using them not just on the ice, but we throw them into a lot of our uh, social media bits. We just want to take the time now to personally thank you for lending us Glenn. He's got a name now. His name's Glenn. Boys love him, and a lot of the kids come through the building. They're like asking not where where John Kerry is or where Chewy is. They want to know where Glenn hides out. So. I know you've made a lot of kids' day that way. Yeah, that was uh, a cool thing. I, I always wanted to to use one of those, I guess, since I was with the Toronto Maple Leafs and I saw Austin Matthews and, and Marner going on the ice, shooting around this dummy all the time. And, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of time for the uh, the lonely fourth liners to use this thing. So when I got out of there, I decided I was going to buy one of those and start working on the shot. I think uh, in the game now, so many guys trying to block pucks and get in lanes and get in the way that uh, that was something I wanted to work on. And, uh, you know, I had a good summer with it last year and, and obviously kept it there over the winter. So hopefully people were able to use it and, and enjoy it. And I'm glad that uh, you know, Glenn has uh, become popular at the rink. 
Just to let you know, I think Glenn's brought, uh, blocked more shots in one summer here than I think you've done in your whole career. So just to let you know that. Well, I think my uh, my block shots doubled and quadrupled uh, later in my career. I didn't have a whole bunch of block shots in Brandon. And uh, I'm going to blame you for that. You didn't teach me properly. <laughs> so uh, we'll go with that. Well, like you said, Ferg, I don't think you were uh, your job was to block shots. I think you were your job was to take shots. So we'll give you that one. Yeah, it uh, it does change in a hurry though. You can you can turn in or from a goal scorer to a shot blocker in a short time if you don't watch out. So it's always nice to have that uh, as a tool that you can uh, you can have. All right, so Ferzi, last little bit here. We'll get you on your way. Uh, we call it "What's in the box." Uh, what's in the box? Basically, it's just questions off the internet that none of us have seen. We're just gonna put our hand in the box, pull out a pull out a question. You can go first on your answer. If you hate the uh, question, just say no answer. And then, uh, then we'll get Chewie's okay. opinion on the question as well. First question. Oh, this one's good. This is kind of poetic. Would you rather sit in the snow while it's falling or dance in the rain? <laughs> oh, man. A tough one. Right? I, I, would say, I would say I'd go with uh, dancing in the rain would be my pick. Oh. I like it. What about you, Chu? Uh, me, I would, I would like to sit in the snow while it's falling. I think that's pretty, uh, you know, relaxing and just kind of look up, try and catch a snowflake or two. Well, I'm a big fan of Bruce Springsteen, so I'm going to have to say dance in the rain as well. Uh, dancing in the dark. Oh, dance in the dark. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> dancing in the rain and in the dark. Okay, so here's uh, question number two from What's in the Box? Uh, what's in the Box? Hero or villain for a day? Which one would you rather be? I feel like that's way too easy. It's obviously hero for the day. Well, I would have guessed that. You're such a nice guy. I know Chewy would probably stay. Uh, you know, there's a few days I'd like to be a villain, but I think at the end of the day, you always like to be someone's hero. Okay. Well, because you guys are such nice guys, I'm going to have to go villain for a day. It's only for a day, right? And I'd be a, a villain and then get back to the good side. All right, last question here. Whenever you ask someone, oh, this is so good. Whenever you ask someone how they've been doing, do you really want them to tell you the truth? If I'm saying, how are you doing? I would say I definitely want them to tell me the truth. If I just say, hey, how are you? Then just give me a, yeah, I'm good. Okay. What about yeah, you, You know what? If I'm going to ask somebody that, I think I want to know. Yeah. You know, if I'm taking the time to ask somebody that, I've stopped or I, I really want to know. I'm like Fierzy. If I say, hey, Chu, how are you doing? I'm actually caring about yeah. you. If I say, hey, man, what's up? I don't care about <laughs> what you have to say. You know? Just in passing. The, the hey, man, what's up is basically just a wave these days. That's right. <laughs> That's like uh, when I give someone a what's up head nod at the mall or something. I don't actually want to stop and say hi. I just want to say, hey, we know each other. Yeah. What's going on? Keep yeah. walking. Duck into the next store I can find. Okay, well, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast, Fares. We really appreciate you taking uh, time out of your day. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Fersey. Thanks. I know you're busy, and uh, I think you're, you're packing up, getting ready to head back. So wish you all the luck this year, and uh, hope to see you soon. Yeah, sounds good. Hopefully you'll be uh, actually working at the rink one of these days, and I can see you down there. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. In space for Fair. Tiptoes in and scores! A sensational finish! Eric Fair 
Well, that was a good uh, interview here with Eric Fair. Lots of good stories, lots of good insight, and you know, this where his career has taken him. You know, not only NHL but overseas, and it's interesting how he came back to the rink and you know, and uh, reached out to John Kara and really needed to you know have those little details and little skills to continue on his career and the connection that he's made with uh, you know now carrying on. It's been it was really unique to hear. Yeah, I thought it was neat. You know, asking about the Stanley Cup playing for with Ovechkin and with Crosby. I thought that was really interesting. And I thought it was cool that you got an invite to the, uh, the old party. Yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty lucky. I was, you know, quite taken back when I got the call from him and be able to bring my family out, get a picture taken with him with the cup. It was, uh, you know, an experience I'll never forget. Now, let me ask you, we're going to just switch this interview to a Chewy interview. Was it like the World Juniors? Like, was it you waiting in your room, waiting for the call? Were you on pins and needles? Did you have a bag packed ready to go to Winnipeg or Winkler? <laughs> no, not at all. Like I was actually quite taken, uh, taken back. He, you know, he called and invited, said he was doing this, and hopefully I could make it. And uh, you know, I was able to bring my little son Nicholas, and uh, for him to get a picture with it, uh, it was quite, uh, you know, a unique uh, experience for sure. Well, that's awesome. Well, if you ever go to any other Stanley Cup parties. A little, uh, you know. You could be my plus one. I would love to be a plus one. <laughs> okay. All these years playing hockey, right? Never seen the Stanley Cup, never touched it, never been in the same room with it. Well, there's maybe that's a shout out to all the, you know, the rink clients that are close to winning the Stanley Cup. Remember uh, Jared, all those times yeah. he taught you the inside edge, shooting the duck and all those things that when, when you hoist the cup that he should be top of your list. Remember some of the times I made the ice really smooth? Okay. I want that to not go unnoticed. I would like to party with the Stanley Cup. It'd be great. Yeah, no, that was a great interview. I love just the insight again, too, of how playing in, in Brandon and playing in front of his family and stuff like that, it must have been special for him. Any plans for the weekend? No, this looking forward to more hockey and watching uh, as much hockey as you can. And this scene, uh, you know, the game, you know, keep getting more and more intense. And there's always a story after every game, after every night of games, there's always a story. And, you know, this list and then that Elliot Freeman with his big beard there, it's, uh, you know, that's an A1 beard that he's got. Yeah, like, I don't know how he grew it that fast. I don't know. He must not have any rules at work that he has to keep it trimmed. I'll tell you that much. Because I think if I just went buck, if I think if I was on an island and I didn't have to keep her reeled in, I think I could get it that big. Well, you probably could. Maybe that's a challenge. Well, I was thinking about challenging myself to go uncut until COVID cure. Well, maybe if we could get our like, uh, maybe if we could get our viewers uh, to uh, like get more viewers, and we could maybe get uh, up to like maybe two thousand viewers, oh. listeners that uh, they would be able to let uh, you grow your beard out. If here's the thing, if we get to two thousand listeners, I should be able to grow my beard down to my feet. <laughs> it should be like ZZ Top. <laughs> okay, well you heard it here first. If we get two thousand listeners. We're going to see uh, quite a beard on this guy. As for me, Chewy, thanks for asking. Going to the lake again. I'm killing it on the lake trips this year. That's awesome. That's yeah. great to hear. You work hard during the week, and it's good that you're able to get out there, get some time off. And what do you do when you get to the lake? Oh, I'm the most non-fun person at the lake. Some people like to go onto the beach. I can't stand the beach, first of all. I don't like going on the sand. I don't like going in the water. I'm actually not that fun, but... I do like to unpack the, the truck, sit on the deck, and that's about it. Watch hockey, obviously, out on the deck. There's nothing wrong with that plan. Nothing wrong with that. So that's my plans. Well, good luck. Have a great weekend. Man.